You're listening to the Hamptons to Hollywood podcast, made possible by our friends at Rosé Piscine. Summer is right around the corner, and for us at Hamptons to Hollywood, that means lots of rosé is about to be consumed. Light, crisp, refreshing, rosé is truly our summer water. Our current favorite rosé brand is Rosé Piscine, the only rosé specifically made to drink on the rocks. It's made in the south of France and is a bold, exotic, and fruity taste. Whether we're sipping a glass on the beach in East Hampton or at a cafe on Melrose Place, Rosé Piscine is the definition of what Hamptons to Hollywood represents. High quality and casually luxurious. You can buy a bottle at rosépiscine.com. That's R-O-S-E-P-I-S-C-I-N-E.com. Hey guys, it's Kyle Langan, founder of HamptonsToHollywood.com. Today, my guest on the podcast is Mark Curian, co-founder and president of Beverly Hills Lifestyle Magazine. In our conversation today, we talked about Mark's surprising career before he became the BHL Magazine president, what's next for the famous publication, and what it means to be a good person. So without further ado, here's Mark. We're rolling. Oh, all right. oh God. Really? See, I'm dropping things all really? <laughs> Everyone, this is Mark Curian. Kyle is throwing his phone at me. Oh. Feels hurtful. I'm alone and afraid. <laughs> All right, I'm back. Okay. Well, Mark, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Absolutely. To be on the Hamptons to Hollywood podcast. Listen, I said you start at the bottom and you work your way up. Oh my god. No, thank you so much. Um, no, I really wanted to talk to you because mm-hmm. I, you are someone that I admire Aww. in Los Angeles, and I think, well, for a lot of reasons, but I think. One of the reasons is you have such a big heart, mm. and I think that's really that's a hard thing to find in a city like this, where a lot of people um, place a priority on kind of like surface relationships. And um, well, I think you listen in this town, you kind of get. It's not that that's their priority; it's that that's the way you've been taught, right? You know, and so maybe I'm the dumb one for having a big heart because it gets hurt a lot. Yeah. And I think most people are just a lot better at putting up walls. <laughs> right. Much quicker than I am. But I think when you do that, you lose out on a lot, too, you know? Oh, 100%. It's, you know, and that's, listen, you know, it's the type of thing where, sorry, I'm going to be really gay right now, but it's like in the movie Steel Magnolias when Shelby finds out that she's going to have a baby. <laughs> and her, do- her mom goes... You, you know, freaks out, right. as Sally Field does in everything she's ever done. Amazingly. Amazingly. I mean, the woman should freak out no matter what. But Shelby says, Mama, I would rather have 30 minutes of something wonderful than a lifetime of nothing. Right. And that's kind of how it is to live your with your heart on your sleeve, is you have to recognize that you're going to get hurt probably a lot more than you aren't. Mm-hmm. And that, but it's still better to have lived that 30 minutes of something wonderful than this lifetime of nothing, Nothing of living on like that surface level. You learn so much about yourself, about other people. I think it's a way, I think that you're on the right, you're doing the right thing. (laughs) Well, but I will tell you, it scares people. Like I I reach out to people all the time and especially in this town, they're like, what do you want? What do you need? What do you, and I'm like, not just asked you to go to lunch i didn't realize that i proposed marriage on this first text right and um it also scares people it's a it's a it's just it's so alien to people these days Mm. crazy which is sad 
sad. It's sad and it's, you know, I don't, but, you know, it's interesting because people say, well, it's so L.A. I think that's the world right now. Yeah. I mean, especially in the gay community, like I have so many friends around the globe and they all say the same thing about the towns they're in. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this isn't just an L.A. thing. Yeah, it's an everywhere thing. So, you know, that cheesy saying of like, be the change you want to see in the world. Right. It's true. It's all you can do. Right. I was going to ask you, like, what do you think we can do about it? But that's... Well, and ultimately, it's the... And this is very apropos right now, because we have a million and a half... No, a billion butterflies, right? A billion or a million? Oh, right. I don't know. It's the butterfly effect. A butterfly flapping its wings in China can create a tsunami in the U.S. Right. And that's where... I think that's where love... That's what can happen with love. Mm-hmm. One person breaking down someone's barriers, walls, here can multiply itself all the way across the country, yeah. the world, One universe. Well, go big, kid. <laughs> we'll have the aliens loving each other as well. Amazing. I feel like aliens probably wouldn't love each other either. I feel like they're just as catty. I mean, who knows? Right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't believe in aliens. Well, it's not that I don't believe in aliens. I just don't know. I don't know if I believe in aliens. I feel like we're offending someone by saying that, so we probably shouldn't say it. Okay. Because I feel like you're now going to get an email that's like, my mother's father's brother's uncle believed in aliens and is now living with them. Right. Okay. (laughs) Then please send us footage. Send us a postcard. And we would love to see what it's like. So. Um, So you are the... Is it president and co-founder of... President and co-founder of Beverly Hills Lifestyle Magazine. Right. And so you've been um, working with the magazine for almost 12 years? Yeah, so we started it 11 years ago, and it started as a blog. Okay. Cheesiest blog ever. Like, literally, like, you went to the website, and, like, these golden gates opened, and it was like, Beverly Hills Lifestyle! (laughs) Oh, my God. It was awful. That's amazing. And then I was like, okay, we can make this a lot more beautiful. So we decided to start the actual printed magazine about six months later. Six months later. So did what was that decision like? So did you see, like, were you getting a ton of traffic, and you're like, let me just take this, let's take this in a, in a different Yeah, direction? I wanted to be more creative. I wanted to be, I, I love magazines. Like, I, I'm the person that will never not buy a book. Like, I can't put, because it sounds so silly, but it's like I went to Hawaii, this was years ago, mm-hmm. and I just took my Kindle. Yeah. Back when you couldn't have an iPad. You didn't have iPads. It was just Kindles. And I'm the person that's like, I want to fall asleep with the book over my face. I want to fall asleep holding holding something. And my Kindle, you know, I fell asleep, but I had it on my chest and it fell and it cracked. And there was this moment of like, I just want to hold something. Yeah. And even though people say print is dead, it's not. It's just evolving. It's just, you can't just be print now. Mm -hmm. You have to be print and then give people this plethora of other opportunities to bring the magazine to life right but that doesn't mean that print is dead so you know i wanted to create something that was like a coffee table magazine something that people would be proud to display yeah um and i wanted something that required um and this sounds so cheesy but this moment of respect like you know i it's rare for me to see someone fold my magazine, you know, like when you take a magazine and you kind of hold like it like this. Stick, yeah, I yeah. never see that. Like people are always like making sure it's like 
flat against their chest. They don't want it to bend. They don't want it to, you know, like, what have you done to this magazine? I've been reading it a lot. We're sitting here with the, this is the holiday edition, 2018. Yeah, he basically ruined it. No, I didn't. Everything I, I just, just said about respecting the magazine, Kyle has not done. I was doing research. Yeah. He, uh, looks like he was researching it by cutting it with a knife. No. Um, it's well loved. But, um, so that's cool. And so did your, your mom had a role in starting it, right? My mom actually started the website. Got it. And then uh, when I saw the the gates opening in Beverly Hills Life, I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I will not allow my mother to have the cheesiest website in the world. Right. So um, that's when I was like, I'm taking it over. Why did she start it? She um, was writing for another magazine um, just on the side mm-hmm. and had so much fun with it that she was like, it's time. This. I'm going to do it. And what made you feel impassioned to help? I've always had a heart, a creative heart. I've always wanted to do something that um, allowed me to tell people stories, and I never knew what that was. What you know, my family, my grandfather was a in the movie industry and TV industry, um, and I wanted to always do something creative like that. But I wasn't like I don't I didn't want to be an editor. I didn't want you know. Yeah. Um, and so when I saw this, I was like, ha! Huh, I could do something really cool with this, and you know, yeah, I could. I could put boys in underwear and put them in the magazine. <laughs> Did I just say that out loud? <laughs> Cut chop. And, and girls, I mean, you, know, you have amazing um, yeah. we, And we never really do the, you know, there's nothing, I, there hasn't been anything very sexy when it comes to, right. we do very things very classic it's and glamorous. classy and glamorous. Yeah. Yeah, we've had amazing covers. We've had Nicole Kidman. Right. We've had Kristen Chenoweth, who I... Freaking adore. Right. Um, How do you get these big guests? Or guests? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, this is the This audio is a podcast, world. everyone. <laughs> Let me tell you how I get my guests. Um, no, I... Um, personal connections. Yeah. It's always been something... You know, there's been a couple where I have not known the person at all. Mm-hmm. And that always scares me a little bit. Because, you, because, listen, you're celebrating the person on the cover. Right. And how awful would it be that they show up to the photo shoot the first time you meet them and they're terrible people. And you're like, oh, I'm not celebrating you. So that's happened once, twice, where someone has shown up and I was not okay with them. And I was like, sorry, mm-hmm. we can't do this. Which puts us in a hard place. But it's, you know, I'm not celebrating someone who's a douche. Yeah. Right. Or a jerk. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. Right. I mean, the second you're printed on my cover, you will forever be a part of our history. Yeah. So could you imagine, you're like, love, love, hate, love, hate, love, love, love. I just would, I, I would die. I couldn't do it. So right. I've just always made sure that every person that I put on the cover is someone that I would want to celebrate and mm-hmm. that feels very evergreen. I want you to pick up the magazine and not know whether it's from 2010 or 2020. Yeah. You know, obviously there's content in there, fashion that shows, how, you know, the current fashion. Yeah, trends. And trends like that. But when you look at the cover, I never, I wanted it to be very uh, evergreen. I wanted, you know, Timeless. to be an ode. Oh, I like that. Because, I mean, every most of them are on black and white. The covers are on black they and all white, are. right? So that is definitely it. That's... I wanted to, like, when I first was talking about it, I wanted it to be, like, very Beverly Hills. Like, I remember when they built the montage. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, oh my God, this place better be dripping in jewels and black and white covers. And, you know, like I just felt, and then they opened it and I was like, oh, it's beautiful. Right. 
but it didn't really fit Beverly Hills. And I wanted something that was going to fit Beverly Hills. I wanted the gold foiling. I wanted the, the really thick cover. I wanted it to be black and white. I wanted, I wanted that, like, I wanted everyone to have a moment of looking at the cover and going, oh. like, it looks like an old friend. Right. But done so well. Were you, <laughs> were you raised in Beverly Hills? Uh, so, yeah. So, I was born in Mexico, Mexico City. I'm a Mexican Jew. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, don't I look it? You look, well, if, if you have blonde hair, blue eyes. Blonde hair, blue eyes, yeah. Guys, here's the thing when you cross a Mexican with a Jew, you get a leprechaun. <laughs> so that's what I look like. Um, but yeah, I was born in Mexico City. We moved to Beverly Hills when I was young. Mm-hmm. And then when I was 13, 12, somewhere around there, 12, I think. 13, 12, oh. 12 and a uh, half. 12, 12 and three quarters. Uh, we moved to Orange County. And then my parents came back here. Okay. And my, my family is fourth generation Angelino. My dad's side is Mexican, but my family here is fourth generation Angelino. So. Yeah. So this is my home. How do you, how, how has LA changed? Or Be- how has Beverly Hills changed? Beverly Hills has gone through these like crazy, like it was the most glamorous, beautiful place in the world, right? Right. Um, in the 80s. I mean, it was like, Everyone was shopping, everyone was spending money, everyone, you know. And then come the 90s, early 2000s, the economy crashed mm-hmm. and it lost a little bit of its luster. You know, it, 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 it was still an iconic name and it was still synonymous with luxury, but it lost its luxury, or its, lu- its luster. Luster, thank right. you. Um, and then other cities around Beverly Hills started kind of building up kind of their brand. West Hollywood started becoming much more of a, you know, destination. A, a destination in Hollywood even. I mean, Hollywood was awful. You would never walk around Hollywood. Right. Now people are paying $5,000 for a studio apartment in Hollywood. So, you know, so in those kind of ups and downs, Beverly Hills has had its downs, but even at its lowest point, it was still Beverly Hills. It was still Rodeo Drive. Right. Um, but, you know, when you spoke about actors or actresses, they lived in Beverly Hills. Right. Now they lived in the Hollywood Hills. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's a little different. But what's happening now is people are going, like kind of the millennials are coming back going, ooh, this is, this is so antique. I love it. You know, and you're like, yeah, and you could take your dogs into any of these stores. Yeah. So it's, it's come back, and it's come back in this beautiful way. And you really notice it during, like, Christmas, where they make Rodeo Drive look right. like, I mean, it is show-stopping. It's beautiful. And for years, they didn't do that. And, you know, we saw Via Rodeo come up, which was the first street built in Beverly Hills in, I think, over 100 years. Wow. Um, so... Beverly Hills, how has it changed? It's never changed. The, the things that have changed is the way that people perceive it, the way mm. people see it, and the way people use it. Right. Um, and I think people like Lisa Vanderpump, uh, you know, opening up her restaurant there, Bella Blanca, and the Royal Housewives of Beverly Hills, and, you know, all these kind of more pop culture things are coming up around Beverly Hills. Yeah. And so, you know, again, it's the people that have changed it, and it, did you hear the way I just changed it? Changed I don't know. it. I don't know how I did it. Okay. <laughs> um, more than Beverly Hills has changed. Got it. I mean, and Beverly Hills has done a beautiful job of keeping it beautiful and pristine. I mean, everything from the Louis Vuitton store when they redid that whole thing mm-hmm. to, um, you know, redoing the 
Beverly Peninsula or Beverly Hills Peninsula to, you know, so they do this beautiful job of keeping everything current, but also keeping it to that place of going, you're still stepping foot into where your grandfather, great grandfather stepped foot right. to have that meeting. Yeah. You know, so they do a beautiful job of that. You just brought up um, Lisa Vanderpump, and she was the editor in chief of Beverly Hills Lifestyle mm-hmm. for like almost two years, right? Almost two years, yeah. Um, when you're hiring, and now it's Jordan Carlyle. Mm-hmm. When you when you're hiring an editor in chief, having been the founder of a luxury brand, how worried are you that their creative direction will? conflict with yours or that the direction that it might be going in isn't what you well our three editor-in-chiefs have been my mother lisa vanderpump and now jordan carlisle every single one of them have been a part of the magazine since the inception so i knew for a fact that none of them would come in and go we're redoing the whole thing yeah we're becoming the next hustler you know (laughs) i I knew that wasn't going to happen um and i still maintain control enough to go this isn't working. Yeah. Um, with Lisa, it didn't turn out that way. She was lovely, and you know she's been dealing with a lot this year, and so she just couldn't. She couldn't do it. Right. Um, my mom stepped down because my father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and she was his full-time caretaker, and she just couldn't do it any longer. Yeah. And now that Jordan's come on, you know, each one of these new editor in chiefs have brought a much different perspective to the magazine like the next issue is jordan's first issue and it's very sleek very sexy more black and black mm-hmm. where lisa was more pink and pink more right blush and bashful if you will. <laughs> your colors are pink and pink mama my colors are pink blush and bashful <laughs> this is like a still magnolias it's my thing <laughs> it's my thing um so it, it always has the same heart always has the same people but now it's just slightly different how big is the team um it's that's a loaded question so people that work on the magazine each issue is about 40 Mm. from writers to photographers to editors you know all that um but our full-time team is smaller than that i don't know how many we are and what does like a typical day look like for you i wake up Mm -hmm. look in the mirror Mm -hmm. scream Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, every day is different. If the magazine, like this week, for instance, we're editing the magazine because it's going to print next week. So it's just sitting in front of a computer and reading every last word and checking every last word. Do you like reading things on the computer or do you like to have it printed out? And like- I have to do it both ways. So at first I read it on the computer. So when I send it to the printer, it's as tight as it can be. Right. And then they print it out and I read it over again. So I read the magazine probably... I read each article about 15 times. Wow. So first when they, they send it to me, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Then we do a rewrite, then I read it again, and then we do another rewrite, and then I read it again. And then we're, we, I send it over to our editors, Jordan and Bobby Saletti, who is our executive editor, and we read it over again. And then we send it to the printer, it comes back, right. I read it again, and then it comes to us as the book and then we read it again yeah and that is oh my gosh it is do you have a pen and paper i do i'm gonna sh- i'm gonna play a game with you which oh. no one else will be able to see but they'll be able to hear it and your life will forever change i'll put it on my kyle langan stationery. oh oh excuse us <laughs> okay don't look oh, okay 
Mark is currently writing, writing something, drawing. everyone. Okay, yes. Okay. So, as I write this, I'm going to show it to you. Okay? okay. I'm going to turn it around, and you have to read it. Okay. <laughs> and you have you only have three seconds to read it, and then I'm going to put it back down. Okay. Okay. Let's see what happens. Okay, <laughs> everyone. I'm turning it around. Okay. No, read it out loud. Oh, a Duh. summer in Paris. Are you sure that's what it says? He said, I want everyone to hear that he said it says a summer in Paris. Mm-hmm. Are you pretty sure that's what it says? Well, now I'm second guessing Okay, myself. so I'm going to show it to you again. Okay. okay. Three seconds. Okay. Okay, read it out loud. Okay. A summer in Paris. Okay. Every, no. Everyone, he wait, says no, wait, it says a summer no, in Paris. He said it twice. <laughs> he said it twice. I know what it what says. What does it say? It says a summer in, in Paris. Yep. So that's your brain deletes what it does not need. Right. So when you're reading the magazine over 15 times, you will still miss things. I mean, that happens with me in on my on Hamptons to Hollywood. You know, on a hundred percent. On a yeah. It's just crazy how the brain works and how you learn how the brain works just by reading something. Like even like there will be times where I will like look at my last name and I'm like, is that how it's spelled? It like just does something where you like look at the word. Like the other day, I was looking at the name. Oh, Jordan. And I was like, it just looked like, what? Is right. it J-D-O-R-O-N-I-N-E-N-E-A-T? What's happening? Like, yeah. What's happening? It just, it's just crazy how you're, I mean, you know, like, you read something and you're reading it as quick as you read it, A Summer in Paris, and then you go, oh, crap, there's two ends. Yeah. So. That's funny. Um, you could put that on your website. I will. I can... Read a little article about and it. And here's something very strange about me. Are you ready to see something very strange about me? Yes. I'm going to show you two things that are strange. Okay. Okay. So whenever I sign something, mm-hmm. I sign it backwards. Really? I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could, but it would be very sloppy. And the other weird thing is if you look at Beverly Hills Lifestyle. Mm-hmm. The font of the magazine. The font. Is it your handwriting? Is my handwriting. Wow. How did they, how did that, how did they do that? I'm telling you, I don't know, but I wrote it out and it's my handwriting. That's really cool. See, right there. I really love that. Yeah. It's a little weird, huh? That's really cool. Yeah. I'm cool, guys. (laughs) And let me tell everyone, he's starting at the bottom. So from this interview, it's only going to get better. (laughs) So keep listening. Oh my God. You're listening to the Hamptons to Hollywood podcast made possible by our friends at Rosé Piscine. Summer is right around the corner, and for us at Hamptons to Hollywood, that means lots of rosé is about to be consumed. Light, crisp, refreshing, rosé is truly our summer water. Our current favorite rosé brand is Rosé Piscine, the only rosé specifically made to drink on the rocks. It's made in the south of France and is a bold, exotic, and fruity taste. Whether we're sipping a glass on the beach in East Hampton or at a cafe on Melrose Place, Rosé Piscine is the definition of what Hamptons to Hollywood represents. High quality and casually luxurious. You can buy a bottle at rosépiscine.com. That's R-O-S-E-P-I-S-C-I-N-E.com. So you are helming this really storied, amazing magazine. Hmm, Thank you. Um, but I want to know a little bit about how you got here. Like, so I, I think you'd mentioned once before that you used to be a pastor, <laughs> right? I love when people like remember that part of my life and they're like, pastor? Well, you're the gayest man I've ever met. Well, no, no, <laughs> no, not, I was a pastor. Not for that reason, but just 
it's just a departure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, from Pastor to Magazine. It seems like they would be kind and loving and wonderful, and then there's you. No. Um, yeah, I was a pastor for seven years. Um, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved, I was with junior high and high schoolers. Um, I love that age group. I think that they are coming into their own. They challenge you. You want to punch them in the throat at times. You don't, but you want to. Right. Because they just feel like they know everything. And it, it was a really fun time in my life. Um, I could not do it now. Why did you leave? Because I'm gay. Yeah. Um, like afraid of like, or not afraid, but I guess. Well, what do you, like, what do you mean? I just knew the church didn't agree with it. Oh. And I don't think it's fair to, right. I mean, I don't think that the LGBTQ community would welcome Mike Pence in the front door. Right. So why should I expect them to welcome me? Mm. Just because we have different views on things. Which and is such a shame, you know. It is, but listen, I believe that we are as hypocritical as they are, the other side. You mean, you're talking about the LGBT church. community oh, okay. and the church. Mm-hmm. Because, like, at the end of the day, we all have different views. Right. And even though I know my view is right, um, it doesn't give me the right to judge someone for what they're, you know, and, and even though it's completely wrong, as long as it's not hurting someone. Yeah. As long as you're not physically hurting someone, that conversation should be allowed to be had and done in love. Right. And I am so tired of people like, listen, I am not a Trump fan. Cannot stand him. I have no problem saying that. Yeah. But I can sit down with a Trump supporter and go, you know what? I think you're completely wrong. I think it's disgusting, but I still love you as a person. Yeah. Right. And we as, don't have enough of that. And well, and as long as they're not, that as long as they believe the same tolerance on my side, it's fine. Now it ha- comes to be that a lot of people on both sides are not going to be tolerant, and that's what's creating this, you know. But I'm like, stop talking about Donald Trump. As I'm talking about Donald Trump, <laughs> stop talking about him, and then guess what? The problem will go away. Right. But, you know, it's like with the kids in my ministry, the parents would always be like, why are they so good? Like, and I was like, because most churches say, don't sin, don't lie, don't have sex, don't do pot, don't do this, don't do that. Don't. So what are they thinking about? Those things. Right. I would then instead say, I would never once bring up those things. And I would say, love each other, support each other. What are ways that you can go out and create a better community? I always have positive. So what were they thinking of? Positive things. Right. That's like the... I mean, it's the power of the secret or whatever they call it. I was just going to say, yeah. It's like the, I should have written the secret. <laughs> I think I came up with it before they did. I mean, it is a really powerful way of changing how you think. 100%. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, my dad wrote a book called Happiness, It's Your Choice. Oh. And he used to say... Only put your happiness in what you can control, which is what? Yourself. Interesting. And I think that's worked for me. Yeah. I mean, let me tell you, many times, including today, I don't follow that. Right. But I notice when I don't follow it, I notice it's not the best day. And that self-awareness is just as important. I know, but dang it. It's hard. It's hard. Oh my God, Kyle. It's hard. It sucks. Like... 
there are times where I um, go, why didn't I just listen to my dad? Mm-hmm. Just put my happiness in myself. But then you're like, oh, crap. What did you um, take from your years as a pastor? And like, what skills do you think that you've learned from that job that you employ in the job that you have now? Patience. Recognizing that everyone has a story mm. and their story creates the way they respond to you. Um, you know, every, I can't tell you how often I have connected with someone and once you hear their story, you're like, oh, I get it. Now I get why you're such an ass because I would be too. But the one thing that I think I've learned more than anything is that there's no amount of darkness that will ever outdo the smallest flickering light. Wow. The whole world could go dark. But if there's one lighter on, there is light. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy. Yeah. So you, you know, always try to stay, re- remain positive. Listen, I am one of the worst people in the world. I'll confess to it. Like, I'm a terrible about, person. I don't know about that. But, no, but we all are. We all do shitty things. We all do... Oh, oh, you can curse. Oh. <laughs> this isn't the... I said know. shitty. <laughs> um, we all do shitty things. We all do things that we're not proud of. Yeah. But there's a reason we do. And as long as you learn from it, I think that... As long as you can own up to it. And listen, sometimes it's hard to own up to it. Because right. it's humbling. No one likes that feeling. Mm-hmm. But we all go through it. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired of the people that are like, Oh, I'm perfect. I would never. You're like, okay, you might never do that. But I also would never wipe my ass from forward to back. That's weird. <laughs> Or back to forward. I do it forward to back. Okay, there you go. Back to forward. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just... <laughs> this will probably be edited. No, I'm, no, it's just going... What What are you like as a manager? Like, as a boss? Um, you should ask other people that and have little quotes in there. Well, what do you think because, you're like? Um, my perception <laughs> is that I'm very hands-off in the sense that I let people fail. That's... But I also let people succeed. Um, but at the same time, I always have a backup plan right. so that if they do fail, I've got something. That's kind of a great um, model to, well, to here's run the thing. a business. I mean, I have a hand in everything I do at right. BHL. Every page of this magazine has my, my fingerprint on it. Mm-hmm. However, you know, it's like when I go to a photo shoot. And I have entrusted a photographer to do that photo shoot. Even though I'm not seeing maybe something I want to see, I still let them do it. Yeah. And then, you know, the next time I'll be like, hey, did we have any good, great horizontal shots? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, now we don't have a double page spread. So they learn from that. Right. And then the next time they're going to make sure they get me a double page spread for the opening. Right. Um, so I love kind of learning from that. Um, but as a manager, I'm hands off, but I'm very supportive and I am very much like, I don't believe in hierarchy. I'm not like, Oh, I am the president of the magazine. Yeah. I am more of like, I am the nucleus and everyone else is around me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's especially important in a creative profession to let, mm-hmm. to be, to not micromanage. You can't, you'll lose people. Right. I couldn't, I couldn't function you know what I mean function like that it would be terrible well and listen after 11 years you learn right I mean I was not always that way 
I was like, I would show up to photo shoots like, hi, Mr. Photographer, don't care what you do. These are the exact shots I want and when I want them in the color. And they, he'd be like, well, why did you here? do Yeah, like, you hired me because I have a vision and a look. And, a, you know, when I go, okay, I get it. Yeah. And every time I have become that person, it's like the shittiest shot ever. Wow. But, you know. It's okay. It You're is not a photographer. <laughs> hey, how do you know that? Have you asked me if I'm a photographer? Well, you are you are very active on Instagram. I am. Yeah. I am. You're always with you have I feel like you have such a uh, robust social life. You're always taking pictures with all these amazing people. I love people. I love celebrating people. I love hearing their stories. It's yeah. my life. It's what I do. Um, it's my favorite part of owning a magazine. Yeah. Ow. Sorry. Everyone, Kyle just kicked me. <laughs> This is a very abusive interview. interview. Um, first threw his phone at me and now he kicks me. Um, I'm kidding. I'm fine, world. Um, Who is your dream cover star or so- person to do a story on? My dream is Michelle Obama. Ooh. I would love to actually do a double cover with Michelle and Barack. My first double cover would be amazing to have them. Um, Why? I mean, I know why, because they're awesome, but why? Well, and it's not even that they're awesome. Like, I actually wouldn't want to talk about their presidency. I wouldn't want to talk about her as first lady. We know it. Yeah. I want to talk to her about why did she choose to write the book? And why did she choose to, you know what I mean? Like, I just want to know about her now. Talk about, like, love stories. Like, their love story just seems so... Yes, but there was a movie about it, right? Oh, Really? See, none of us know about it. it. Was on Lifetime? No, it was like a full movie, like in the theaters. Really? Yeah, none of us watched it. I don't get it. Uh, and listen, I I'm not political at all, so I will you just never hate Donald Trump. <laughs> well, I again, politically, I can't speak to him. Right. You know, like people will say to me, "Our economy is better than it's ever been, mm-hmm. and it's under his presidency," and I go, "Okay, I don't know," and and I need to. I need to look. I need to be smarter. Right. I, I probably shouldn't confess this on. But the same with, like, Obama. I don't know. I, this sounds so awful. I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. I live in my bubble. Right. And honestly, like, wasn't affected by the Obama presidency, except when I was, when it was, you know, the gay marriage, you know, pass. And stuff like, like that affected me. So, of course, I love him. Right. It's just, yeah. You're I just don't know politics. I, don't, I just don't you're know. You're more interested. I mean, for, I just for, know that he opens his mouth, Trump, and I go, if my father, my uncle, my brother, or my friend ever said some of the things you say, I would go ballistic. Yeah. But I'll also say, if you're close to me and you said those things, I will hold you accountable, mm-hmm. and I will. There will be consequences to it, but I will never stop loving you. Which is your that's your gift. I know, but people will probably go. You should. That is terrible. And it's like okay, there, the consequence might be that I won't speak to you for a very long time right. until you apologize for those things. But if you're ever stuck on a side bleeding and you needed someone, I'd be there. Yeah. What do you, where do you want the future, what's the future of the magazine? Ooh, this is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a lot 
sleeker, a lot sexier, a lot more modern. Um, for the first time, most of my staff is gay men. Yeah. And so it's definitely going to feel more masculine. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds kind of funny. Gay men, masculine. Mask for mask. It's going to be totes mask for mask. Um, it's going to... We're going to be doing a ton more with kind of online. Um, there's yeah, because some... you do operate... I mean, we should say that you do operate uh, online as uh-huh. well. Are all the... Um, stories in the magazine also mm-hmm. yes and it's we are going to be bringing I will say it this way because I can't say too much mm-hmm. but we're definitely going to be bringing the magazine to life a lot more in the next few months oh what a teaser what a teaser <laughs> so yeah so in the next few months we're going to be bringing the magazine to life in some pretty cool powerful ways that's exciting um, some of the stories we're going to be having are um definitely going to be controversial Mm. we're going to be a lot grittier with the stories we tell it's not just going to be all yachts and pretty right but there's going to be some stories that definitely make you think and make you recognize that luxury is different for everyone yeah um for some people luxury is giving their money away to nonprofits. right for other people it is a yacht so we're going to kind of expand a lot more on that I love that. I mean, one of the reasons, actually, I should have said this in the beginning, but one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast is because um, the Hamptons, Hamptons to Hollywood's motto is stay curious, live luxurious. Mm-hmm. And, and with the intention that luxury comes in many different ways. And one of the reasons why I want to start this podcast was to talk about how like knowledge is such a luxury. Mm-hmm. So like talking to people and, you know, opening my readers up to different people that they might not have known otherwise, you know, is really, I think, powerful. So I love that you're kind of talking about different ways that people can... Yeah, listen, luxury is a mirror. It defines who we are, who we want to be, um, what we can be. And for some people, luxury, like I said, might be skiing down a mountain alone. Mm Mm-hmm. For me, I'd rather kill myself. So for me, luxury is, you know, being able to sit with someone for hours at a time over coffee. Yeah. It's just so different for everyone. Well, I have one last question for you. Oh my gosh. And then Please I'll tell you me. go because I know I don't want to keep you here all day. But what, um, what <laughs> I forget what it is. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. What do you want your, um, your legacy to be? I would love for most people that know me and have loved me when I die to say Mark loved me that would be rad if every person that showed up to my funeral said I felt loved by him that'd be freaking rad I don't need to teach people lessons I don't need to I mean again I'm the biggest screw up of them all so if someone could just simply say I felt loved by him pretty cool legacy because people will forget what you say They will forget where you were, what time you were there, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Mm -hmm. I think Maya Angelou said that, right? Probably. It sounds Maya Angelou-ish. I was trying to take it off for myself. (laughs) By Mark Hurian. Listen, we have to give credit where it's due. True. (laughs) I love Maya Angelou. I know. She's amazing. Oh my gosh. She... But it's interesting. I will say this about Maya Angelou. Talk about a legacy and leaving a legacy. Oh my God. Incredible. But she's one of the people who have passed away that I'm so 
regretful that I never met. Yeah. Could you imagine it being in her presence? I feel like it would be, like, the closest thing to, like, meeting, like, God. Absolutely. Like, well, and it's funny, like, I look, I mean, I think Oprah's kind of become... Yeah. She's kind of taken on her legacy a little bit. Yeah, they were, like, really close. Yeah. But like, what a beautiful gift, I mean, to leave with people. I think that you kind of, like, nailed that, on, hit the nail on the head. You said that you don't want to teach people lessons, but just want to them to feel loved and I think that is kind of the greatest lesson you know yeah like you like you're not preach you preachy or but I think just showing them that affection I think will probably change their lives in ways that they probably won't even be able to comprehend until way down the line we live every day to be loved so if you can give someone that gift once a day that's amazing yeah and when a boyfriend breaks up with you or when someone's mad at you, the thing that upsets you is that you no longer feel loved. Mm -hmm. So if you can give that to someone and just say, I love you, not for any other reason other than you are a human being created by God, in my opinion, um, I think that's such a rad gift. Yeah. I wish people would give it to me more, jerks. Kidding. You're loved. No, I know. I know. I feel that I have an amazing family. Yeah. I mean, one of the most amazing families ever. Right. Um, so, yeah, I definitely feel loved. Well, thank you so much for being with me Thanks today. Thanks for having me. On the Hamptons to Hollywood podcast. And go to Hamptons to Hollywood. To Hollywood.com. And go to bhlmagazine.com. And, yeah, stay tuned for lots of other. Um, amazing things coming up soon and stay tuned for uh these new exciting projects oh yeah and you'll see them magazine i hope that they're visible enough that the world sees them so we'll see exciting yay thank you thank you